welcome to episode 12, season 3 of LOI Weekly with Johnny Ward and Daniel MacDonald. Uh, we're flying it into the season, so much happening over the last week. And we're going to have Luke Byrne, ex-Shamrock Rovers now of Shelburne in studio very shortly to go through what's been going on in both divisions. Uh, Lukey keeping a close eye on the Premier Division as well as um, Shelburne, obviously. We're having a great campaign. Dan, how are you keeping? Not too bad, John. Not too bad. Uh, it's been a very, very busy sort of... Uh, Four it's, days. It's a cliche thing that people say, though, isn't it? If you ever, ever talk to people in life now, everyone will always say they're busy. Mm. If you ever talk to anyone and they're like, not busy. How are things at the moment? I'm not very busy, um, actually. Well, actually, you're not very busy. No. You actually are. Way too much free you, time. You were in Tala last night and you just, you're just headed off full time. Just you get up and you're Which I normally do after matches, in fairness. Well, well no, but, uh, people who are busy hang around and talk to people. They work. They network. I'm not busy. Johnny gets picked up by this. is straight after the game. It's grand. It's like, it's like a kid getting picked up from training. You know, he heads off at full time with his bag and he runs off. Beats the traffic. Fair play to you. So actually, you're the, well, you're the one person. However, I still know if I was to talk to you, you know, how you getting all that busy? You'd say you were busy. I wouldn't actually. I've, I've regularly said that I work. What do you even do now? I work two or three days a week. Really? Yeah. What did you do the other days? Lounge about, yeah. The occasional acid flashback, as your man said in the Big Lebowski. That yeah. part's not true. But <laughs> some people will get the reference. Yeah. To tell you the truth, I don't remember a lot of it. You should, um, you should have done more, really, then, over the last week or so, then, in terms of I've been, general preparation. I've been at three like, you, you don't, you don't sound like hugely prepared, like for someone who's got so much spare time. Absolutely. The more spare time you have, the less you do in ways. You know, you just get into a. A mould of sort of lounging about a lot and reading and kind of having coffee. Yeah. yeah. I think you should do more. Probably. You know? Probably. Could be my like, We're going to talk, we're going to talk about like managers who aren't performing to their potential, but at least they're working 24 7. You're working what? 4 3? At least four, you know, A good solid 4 3. Working hard 4 uh, 3 or so. At least I'm not blaming budget cutbacks, but maybe I am yeah. as well. Um, anyway. anyway, in fairness, it seems a long time ago since Bowes Rovers, but what a week or so it's been in terms of the title race and everything else. It has. Uh, mad yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, Bowes Rovers we covered last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had Shamrock Rovers lose again on Friday, but then win last night. We were both there in Tallow for the win. So to get them back on the road. So it just it goes to how quickly things move, even in the space of like the double header. So if we were recording on Saturday, you'd probably be talking about a Rovers. Not quite a crisis, you know, but the back to back and and so and because we are talking on Saturday, and you were mocked loudly on uh, on News Talk for having declared the league race over uh, a couple of weeks ago. It is most certainly not over. I think we can say that now with absolute certainty. Is it a three horse uh, race? That is the debate now. Um, see, if I I was thinking about this last night. I mean, if you're a Bose fan listening to this now, you'd be you'd be almost storing up every grievance for like a Father Ted Golden Cleric speech at the end of the season if Bose did somehow do it I just can't believe that they can you know and and even I mean, Harry Kenny spoke last week about probably um, last night sorry I should say about it possibly being a two horse race with all due respect to Bose and I think that that is the good feeling that I probably would have too um, but uh, Shamrock Rovers can say oh we we played Bose and uh, they're their full team out they played Dundalk and they made seven changes um, so a little bit of grievance for them as well because suppose, but in fairness, suppose they made eight changes against Waterford as yeah, well. Yeah, but you can pick that argument for anyone. Like people are playing teams when they've had injuries when they've not. You know, the yeah, but they make injuries. seven changes against Rovers. Uh, well, it depends if you think that they have a firm first choice eleven. 
Do they have a first choice 11? I'm not sure they do. They, have, they, they probably they have a first choice. seven changes against Shamrock Rovers. They have a first choice eight or nine. They went to Dundalk and they made seven changes. Yeah. They would not do that against Shamrock Rovers. So no. that's just a little thing that maybe Dundalk... But are you suggesting like, that they, they, they nearly won that match? I suggest with a full strength team they would have, or did they feel that the older players maybe needed to be you know I don't know was it the pitch is there other factors about playing against Dundalk that, that they, actually there was a decision they played Dundalk twice now your theory will be tested uh, when, they, when they played Dundalk twice in the space of 10 days in May let's see what teams they put out for both and how the two teams compare because uh, actually both haven't had a very good record against Dundalk in recent years so maybe they've tried to, to mix things up I think, they, I think they just want to use when they have three games a week they just want to use their squad and um, basically they're reliant enough on Dinny Corcoran I thought that was the, the thing against Watford that they did miss Dinny a lot they didn't really have much and he came on then and nearly scored straight away uh, but you know they're going to probably play Cork now I would imagine on Friday night Cork might have a new manager by then. And that, that <laughs> Who knows, John? We, I don't know. There's speculation about Cork, although, um, and, was, and hopefully the people. Uh, there was obviously some stories going last, around last night, but my argument on all this would be if you're going to put out a story about someone going, you need to be in account with a person's name and a face on it rather than a. Uh, uh, an account well, we have many great League of Ireland accounts at the moment that are run by faceless people. You know, so sound a bit angry you, there. Dan. I'm not angry about it because yeah. they might be right, but stop clocks are right sometimes. True, you know, it's easy to put out stuff from a source um, when when you don't have to put your name to it mm. and it's not your name and you don't have to deal with the consequences if you're wrong. So you know, fair play to like all the various accounts of people know what they are, but you don't really have to pay the same consequences if you're wrong with putting out something. So the rumor might be true. Um, some of these sites have been wrong about rumours before uh, it takes a bit of bottle to put your name to it if you're going to put out something now we're both probably aware of a certain amount of speculation around the manager's future I, I don't know much at all about other than what I learned on Twitter too, yeah honestly. well there you go um, no I, I think there might have been some talks but um, I suppose talk I mean I suppose if you work on a job and things are going badly, anytime you talk with your board, it's talks about you know if you're if you're struggling, well you wouldn't know because you're working three days a week. But if you're working seven days a week and you were in a scenario where you're having a chat with about your performance, that is a talk about your position, you know. Mm. So uh, I think there's probably been a bit of that going on. I did but, speak to someone from Cork this morning who's really really annoyed at Caulfield's reference to the budget being slashed um, again, and I think that has gone down badly in Cork because I know the cha- the budget has changed, but um, there seems to be a major objection to this slashing of the budget. Uh, yeah, that doesn't work. I mean, it's 17 points behind Bowes. Um, you know, even, you know, teams ahead of them, Sligo Rovers, okay, Waterford, I mean, they'd have, they'd definitely have smaller budgets. You know, Waterford had cutbacks, as we know, and, um, yeah, it's just that doesn't that doesn't wash, you know. And they've got players there who should be doing better too. And like sometimes it's easy for players when the manager is in the centre of uh, spotlight for their own standards to drop as well. And I don't think that that I don't think that should be excused either. Let's see what happens. I mean, like, that's the debate. Uh, just on that, so but the, no, but I think it's very easy to. I think the Cork put everything on the manager as well. Yeah, because the you, Cork you're, you're probably, down tools a bit. Like, well, to me, they've down tools. But then you look at the interaction with, between Caulfield and Buckley, and you're like, well, is it surprising they've down tools? I, I still think, you know, there's bad and there's bad. You know, and and thirteen points from fourteen games with with a group of players that still has league winners and and players who've done stuff in it. That's very bad. So I I don't think it's a one person job. But listen, we've seen this happen before. It's 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 very rare the manager gets to leave on their own terms anywhere. You know, and it's very rare there's a there's a there's a happy amicable ending. Like even I mean Stephen Kenny like 
got to leave at the top with Dundalk, and I know there might be some friction over how it was handled, but at least his legacy at Dundalk in time is is solid and secure. I would hope that whatever happens with John Caulfield, that in the passing of time, his legacy is still secure, and he will be remembered as a great manager at Cork who galvanised the club when he did. The problem is that the longer he stays, perhaps at the moment, you're more in danger of making it rancorous. And there's no easy way to go. People have pride. People have like managers by their very personality have to have a certain ego and a certain confidence to to stand up there and 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 face into what comes their way. Um, the legacy is the interesting thing because the recency bias wouldn't be favourable towards No, him, the legacy I think would be okay. Cork consistency throughout you, his reign. You throw in what he's done as a player as well, mm. but okay, it's not a, very, not a good example. But but even you just, it's one that I covered, so it's easy to remember. But like, you see it with Martin O'Neill and you see it with Trap and you see managers that you've covered at close proximity. That It's not to say that everything that went before was bad, um, but sometimes you just reach the point where it's so blindingly obvious that. That, that for whatever reason it's just not working anymore and you need that fresh voice and uh, I, I thought he would probably see it through um, but I also you also think as well that Finn Harps at home is the one game that the teams in the Premier Division would look at the moment as okay this is a chance to win I know Sligo drop points against them too and Harps are, are maybe getting a bit of durability back but that's just they're, they're, and, they're 11 know. points off um, fourth, which I think is still achievable if they change things. And I think the board may look at that and say, all isn't lost yet. But at the moment, they're in relegation territory, you know. Well, yeah. I, I mean, but that, I mean, fourth is, fourth is only good enough for uh, Europe if, if one of the top three mm. wins the cup. And um, I know we're, we're used to Dundalk or Cork winning the cup. Mm. Like, that's the standard they were at. Yeah. So like, the, the fall that they're. That they've had is three is wins from four, fourteen. Three wins from fourteen. I, I know you thought twelve be, goals. I'll be, I mean, I, I was wrong on this. I thought there'd be a drop off. You thought there'd be a dramatic drop off. Maybe I thought there'd be a drop off. But I mean, this is like oh, I didn't envisage uh, this. No, you sure. know, this is a, a, a an unbelievable level. Like mm. I, I thought a bad season for them would be to be almost where Pats are now, rather than where where they actually are themselves. Welcome to Luke Byrne. Cheers for having me. Uh, you were actually at the game last night um, as well, so uh, we we had a bit of audio from Ronan Finn that didn't quite record. I, I feel bad. I spoke to Ronan Finn after the game, but it's clearly one of these scenarios you're recording off an iPhone, and I must have obviously just put my hand over like the microphone part at one point. It's a shame because we, we it was a good couple of minutes. I was listening to it on the bus on the way in here. And Very I think faint audio. The one beside we, we me thought it was a bit weird. We could have we could have put it on for people, but you know, it was one of these scenarios. But then you would have to turn it up really loud, and then it comes back. The studio would be blaring. It's like sometimes you know your yeah. TV, the channels are the wrong settings or something. Change from one channel to the other, and straight away it's do like blaring out. Do you know? Do you know the website football24.com? It does all the updates from all the live games, but it has like um, a, a noise every time there's a goal in a game. So like I remember working in Satanta in this office years ago. And um, the lad whose computer I was working at that day, he was big into his tunes. So he had like these massive speakers. And I, I, I just <laughs> I put it on. And then like 20 minutes in, <laughs> like, there was a goal in Belfield or something. And um, it's funny because um, if the goal is disallowed, then it's like, Ehh! and like if you've had a bet on the game, you're like, you're celebrating. And then two seconds later, it's like, the goal is disallowed. And you're like, oh, Jesus. I, I feel like people are turning us down because of that sound effect. <laughs> Probably. But, but anyway, what Ronan Finn was saying was, I mean, he was Speaking a bit about playing right back in Dundalk last Friday, a bit about the week and how he hadn't played there since I think his, his younger days. Kennedy and, Cup. Yeah, and, and how he actually enjoyed the one-on-one challenge with Michael Duffy, but state the obvious, you know, he's happier to be back. In the I, I used to play right back and it's one of the easiest positions on the pitch, so I think that's why... Luke's the full-back. Yeah. Well, he's I mean, a centre-back centre now. Back now, but yeah. I mean, 
fullback uh, the modern you, you, you were yeah, an old school you were an old school it was the easiest position on the pitch you were an old school let's full be honest <sighs> what, yeah. what was easier than fullback I think uh, the perception was it would have been the easiest yeah. these mm. days they're just runners aren't they mm. it's yeah. a bit of a different game Ken Early did a piece about that like it's the, the assists now are made by the fullbacks not wingers basically that yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold and you were more of a Lazy fullback, I'd say, to be honest. You know, first time passes all Is this the time. just take the piss out of Johnny Day? Yeah, like, to take be the honest, piss out I'm of Johnny a, season. I'm a bit annoyed. Take the piss out I'm, of Johnny life from Daniel McDonald. I'm a bit annoyed that you ran out full time last night, you know. Uh, and and I, then I recorded an audio clip oh, with, with my hand over the microphone. You but screwed it, up as but, well, though, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I know, but I'm deflecting to you. Ronan but, Finn's basic point was that Shamrock Rovers were pressed high by Pats and they need to be better in Tala, particularly in a big pitch when they're pressed high. Just I've, better playing the ball. Because this is definitely a feature of the Bowes game last week. I mean, in, in the early minutes of the Bowes game last week, uh, I mean, the Rovers knocked the ball out for a corner at one point. And you can see look, Manus gets the ball, the two centre-halves are split, and they're trying to play out, and they're committed to that way of playing. Um, but when teams have got around them a bit over the last week, they've just had a few difficult moments. Now, I wouldn't be exaggerating it. Like, you know, they're, they, they, were, they were fine for large parts of the game last night, but it's just something they're going to have to get used to. And as players, and I'll speak to Luke about this now, um, like the players know what they need to do, you know, effectively, and the, and once once they played it out, they had they had space, they had opportunities, they had room in midfield, and they have the quality to do it. So I think um, Stephen Bradley made the point as well after that they just need basically just needs to be a small bit sharper in their application with that at times, and when they do, they'll be fine. But you can see that that's what teams are probably going to try and do against them now, Luke. It seems the way the way they play. Yeah, like uh, obviously they've been on TV the last couple of weeks and. You can see they always, the centre-halves always split. Alan Manis always looks to play out quickly and stuff when he gets the ball in his hands. But I think with the amount of footage and stuff available, teams know how you're going to set up when the ball goes dead. And it just gives teams a little bit more kind of information and uh, knowledge how to set up to stop you playing out in the back. Mm. And obviously Rovers did that to other teams as well. I was there last night and I thought they pressed Pats quite well when Pats had a goal kick. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was obviously there last year with, we do a lot. We've done a lot of work on how to play out in the back, and I think you've got people like Lee, who's probably the best centre half mm. in the league, especially at playing out in the back. So, more often than not, I think it's worked from this season. Well, no, it definitely has. I mean, and I don't think they're going to suddenly start going back to front just because of the pressure that because it's not going to suit the style of players. Well, you have, have to have a plan B as well. But they're not know. a particularly big side rovers, really. You know, like so they're not. They're not going to suddenly change. Well, that, that like play. last night, Pats played two up top, and if they press kickouts, that le- that means Pats have left a bit of space in midfield. So if you break that first line, all of a sudden, because if you do play out from the back, there is a ga- there is a, a risk that if you lose the ball, like McIniff did against Bowes and put it out for a corner. The first half an hour in the Bowes Rovers game is very interesting because Bowes, you could uh, Rovers did start to wobble a bit mentally. They're like, we're not really used to this high press, and it was a really interesting game. I thought. But I thought what was interesting, sorry, was that we had Gary O'Neill in here a couple of weeks ago, and he said that the Rovers game was the one time that they almost let the opposition have the ball, which is very unusual for mm. UCD. And so so now the teams have had a small bit of joy against Rovers. But that's it's, it's well and good doing that in theory. But if you're a slightly side that's further down the table, you think the instinct would be just to drop off and, and, and let them try and play through you. I wonder will teams tweak their approach in any way or not? I think two up top was interesting. Last play, night. It's two up top, or I mean, it can be one up top, and, and just the players really being aggressive in terms of the press. But will the, the teams that are lower down do it? You know, because I think the, the Rovers lads were saying that in Derry they experienced a bit of that as well, and and they 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 coped with it in that game fine. So 
I don't know. We look to be Sligo Rovers on Saturday, and will Sligo Rovers have looked at this and and well, or, or or not? I think Har- Harry Kinney decided three five two was the best system to play because Rovers don't have a lot of width, and he was like, we load in midfield and we've two up top professionals. But they have been playing three five two lately. Anyway, yeah. the point has been made. No, they didn't so. play Forrester, but like I th- I thought pass were pretty good last night. I thought Rovers didn't really look that comfortable for a lot of the game. Yeah, I didn't think there was a lot in the game. I thought Alan Manor save with ten minutes ago was massive. Um, Big moment in the season when you look back huge, at it. Yeah, because obviously Rovers come off the two losses. It was important. They bounced back. Dundalk look like they're really hitting top gear at the minute. Um, but I, di- I just felt Rovers were more dangerous on the night. They got into a lot of situations without really creating chances, maybe in the second half. But yeah, there wasn't a lot in the game. It was a bit of cat and mouse. I think you saw that with the formations. It was the three-five-two against the, the narrow midfield that Rovers It makes played. it all the more fast. I thought it was a fascinating yeah, game. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was, was quite enjoyable. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. It wasn't necessarily like chances galore or classic or anything, yeah. but it was actually just, you know, there was, there was it's an interesting test for Rovers in terms of where they're at, but also, like, Pats are, are finding a small bit of form, you know. I don't, I don't know where Pats are going to finish this year, you know. The, it may, still it may well be possible. that sort of, you know, third, fourth, fifth territory. Um, but they're... they're they're getting there a small bit. They probably missed Clifford last night. And Haven't had Brandon Meal as well, when you think yeah. about it. Um, yeah. they, they also, just a point on the game. Um, how good is Brandon Kavanagh? Yeah, he's excellent. The ball's just glued to him. It's glued to that left foot of his. and He's always looking for that killer pass. He's got great vision. and uh, Yeah, he's brilliant. He, even up close in training, he's even better. I think he's going to... Uh, I think he's going to start to play a lot more. Two, 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 a lad made two points for me last night. One, that he's more effective than Jack Byrne. And two, he could be the new Wes Hoolan. So that was interesting. I like that Johnny just called it a lad. I mean, it could have yeah. been one of these faceless Twitter accounts we were talking about. That's his own show. <laughs> that was yeah, a lad. It's great. Like You just introduced these quotes from random members of the public. I know who you were talking about. It was an ex-Ireland international that said that. So they, well, I didn't want to say yeah, it. Was, yeah. But um, no, the Wes comparison you can kind of see because just that left foot and he's slight as well. Yeah, he's tiny. It's probably... One thing he's gonna actually, you know, he's gonna have to obviously develop is his, you know, his his strength and stuff like that. But that will come with age. He's only just gone eighteen, isn't he? So, um, but you just saw like even the other night when he came on tuna down away to Dundalk on TV, how brave he is getting on the ball. He has no fear. He just wants the ball all the time, and that's a great trait to have. The, go- the goal as well last night. It it maybe doesn't look quite as good on TV, but like the, the pressure he's under and how composed he was to make that one two with Finn. He's like a little street footballer, I think. Mm. He's like like Wes. Chris Forrester, Wes Hulman, I suppose, yeah. And not to get carried away, but he's yeah. he has got, you know, those kind of traits. Both yeah. of the, both of them who played wide earlier in their career. I mean, Wes even as he now I know there was a different shell side was very strong in the middle, but like Wes played out wide for most of his time there. And yeah, like you're all right, like comparisons are just you know, you have to rein them in. As tempting as they are, because that's what you do. That's football chat. That's what people say. Um, but it must, at the same time, it's, it must be a great club for him to to be coming into. Because he, if he, you know, another place where a team was playing a different way, then maybe he, he might be encouraged. You might be encouraged to do the same things he's yeah. been encouraged to do. What Lukey said um, about the ball being glued to his left foot, I've never seen a player that that applies to as much in the League of Ireland. It's literally, he's just a wizard. It's left foot, left foot, left foot, left foot, all left foot. Yeah, and playing off the right. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. So he's got options. I, I know Stephen Brady would feel number 10 will be his best position, ultimately. But I mean, they're fairly stacked in, in potential number 10s there. Although actually, you know, he, he looks to be a natural one. Whereas maybe some of the others can play, you know, some of their centre players can play a bit deeper, fairly, fairly comfortably, you know. So the title uh, race stand, though, it's um, it's, 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 it's open. Docker just like three nil in Watford last night, um, you know, in a canter by the sound. The of thing us. about the Docker in, in last Friday, and I know he's, 
we spoke about this a couple of weeks back. If they were still 10 behind at the end of the month, as they were at one point, then okay. But now that they're within four with the game in hand, admittedly the game in hand is against Bowes, and that's going to be a, a tough game. Um, but you do look at their, their team on Friday night, and uh, yeah, Rovers were depleted, and that's a massive asterisk. But, I mean, the Dock were depleted as well for the opening weeks of the season, um, and they probably have a deeper squad than Rovers. Um, but you look at the players around the park, have all won leagues, pretty much. You know, and once they get, I, I feel like maybe that luck they had against Bowes, that maybe sometimes that can just shock teams into life. And now that they're in position, they've been there before. And there's something ominous about how they've gone about things like over the last sort of week or two. Um, and that's the test. I mean, I spoke to a bit about Ronan Finn as well. He's won a league before, but a lot of lads in the Rovers team necessarily, you know, they haven't won a league before. And McAniff has said there are a lot of leaders in the dressing room. Yeah, um, no, and, and listen, uh, in fairness, that, that done, the first Stephen Kenny, the dog team that won a league, did, apart from Stevie O'Donnell, it was probably similar. There was lads who'd never won a league before, and then you win one, and there's a perception, oh, he knows how to win leagues. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, you can overplay that. But I just think you're looking more to the point. Like, Michael Duffy was probably the best player in the league last year. I mean, Shields was excellent, and Hooban was excellent. But all three of them now look to be back in form. And if you have the three best players in the league last season, now back to form, well, then naturally, as a team your chances of winning the league are pretty pretty damn good. And uh, I, I think, if, from a Roberts perspective, you might be a small bit worried about the form that they're building up, but, I mean, Roberts are still, you know, they're going to try. And Bowes, I don't know, like, what do you what do you make of the title race, Luke? Because you've, you've obviously an involvement with sort of Rovers and Bowes, and you've, you've played against them talk a lot. I mean, what's your assessment of the, the picture overall? Yeah, I think um, a couple of weeks ago, it really looked like Rovers were in the driving seat. Obviously, they're still top, even if, you know, Dundalk yeah. and Bowes were to win the game in hand. But I think Rovers are there for the long haul. I definitely think they're in it to the end. Uh, it's just when Dundalk start getting up ahead of steam, they've showed over the years, they're capable of going on runs of seven, eight wins and doing that a couple of times over a season. Like you said, ominous. It's You nearly check flash score every Friday and just expect to see them win. And that's just how they've been for years. And it's unbelievable what Bowes are doing. Like the way they change their team Monday to Friday and just keep pulling out results. Their clean sheet record is unbelievable. Astonishing, really. Yeah, isn't it? and like I think everyone kind of expects them maybe just to fall away a little bit, just because mm. they don't have the depth of squad and you know they're they're not full time as such like Dundalk and Rovers are. But and it's a cliche, but you saw what Leicester City did a couple of years ago. So you just can't really. You were, I think you, you know, were saying you, just, you kind of fancy Derry last night, and I was, I was thinking the problem when you're opposing Bowes now is that they have to concede a goal mm. in order for them not to win. What's that? Eleven hundred and seventy minutes for Talbot or something hasn't conceded mm. a goal in play. It's unbelievable. And, and the back mad. four has changed within. Yeah, yeah they brought in Barry on um, on Friday. I think he may have played again last yeah. night. And they're two like their fullback cover. Um, Kirk looks a smashing, smashing player. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose. And then if you if you look at Dundalk, then every single position they seem to have two players for. Yeah, yeah, Flores, yeah. Benson, um, midfield. We'll say players that haven't played much. Murray's actually almost forgotten about now because he's been injured yeah. a little bit. Well, McGrath's picked up an injury Mc- now, so he might. McGrath. But but we were speaking about this ourselves last night. That I mean, Dundalk were able to go down and stay in Waterford on Sunday night and overnight. And it's a massive thing, and I, I'd assume Rovers will have the capability to prepare pretty well. Um, and and you think that's going to be worth points over the over the piece, but I think it was I think it was a Dan Pope who was put up on Twitter, like which is actually another, another thing about the, the 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 League of Ireland away trips to date. Like last night, Finn Harps had their longest trip of the season on a Monday night, eight hundred and twenty kilometers round trip. The dog and Bo both had their second longest trip of the season on a Monday night, which is a bit mad, really. Yet they all actually got good results, the away teams. And you talk about Dundalk going down to prepare 
in Waterford and well that's obviously an advantage and so on but Bowes wouldn't have had that, that luxury and they've still gone to Derry and won I mean, if, if Rovers went to Derry and won 2-0 and I know they won a couple of weeks ago and then in fairness the top three have actually have all won in Derry and Derry's record against the top three actually has been poor this year but still you, you, if Rovers went and did that professional job in Derry we would talk about it in those terms whereas Bowes are just doing it to the same with the same consistency now you know? I know, a like Rovers I, fan said to me last night it's a three horse race like Bowes don't look like they're going away and it's the way they change their team every every week Monday to Friday that just obviously the manager's got faith in the squad and they just keep delivering you know but like even speaking about Bowes yesterday like I know Keith Buckley got a half day in work yesterday and he's gone up to Derry and he's probably been the best player on the pitch and covered the most ground That's and he does it every week and um, Bowes I think are they're obviously part time in name but I know there's a lot of very professional lads there and they, they do do a lot of um like they they recover properly, they go to the cryotherapy and all that kind of thing. So, in terms of that, I don't see them going away anytime no. soon. It's, it's just amazing what European football could do for that club. I, I mean, as much as Bose fans, you know, you know, they'll be annoyed if we write them out of the title race. I can feel others who will will be on the other side of the side of things Delighted being super, to be well, superstitious that we don't want to be talking about Europe and what it could do because they're not there yet. But I mean. Well, it's six points to, to fourth and, and nine to fifth, depending on what way we think things go. They must be doing badly like, financially, though, in a way. Like, they have 3,000 the plus people every game at paying But we've said this before. They're facing into a couple of years in Talca, mm. coming soon. And that's going to test the club. What's so wrong with Talca? It's about... <laughs> <laughs> you, don't have, you don't own your bars there, you know? So, that's... That, it's almost a rainy day fund there. And there's that dilemma between, like, does... The possibility—I don't think they're going to gamble anyway until they're mathematically safe. But does it allow you to talk earlier to players about staying so you're not drained next winter, or do you just have to accept it? That's still going to happen, but you can put more away to safeguard the future of the club. If if I say safeguard the future, that's a bit dramatic. But mm. like you know that that you have a bit of insurance to cope with the inevitable drop off that you will have when you when you move to Talca, just in terms of of, of income. But I mean, as it so happens, I mean it's just working out great for them at the moment that they're playing three Friday nights in a row. In the element, played last Friday, they corked this Friday, and Dundalk the following Friday. So when the buzz is there right now around the club, um, they're getting three Friday nights in a row. Problem is, though, they won't, they won't have enough people there on Friday. Like they would have probably sold. They could maybe sell another two thousand. Well, I know. I, I saw. I saw. Like Daniel Lambert responded to it, our discussion last week um, by putting out there that it's it's not a bad thing that it creates demand. You know, and that and I do see that point. Um, and I, I accept the point, and we all want to go to the thing that you can't go to. You know, there's almost the magic about it, like, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, I would still be of the view that if you have 2,000 extra people there who, and if, if 50 or 100 of them become regulars, you know, that they only drop in initially, then you get it back over time. So I, I'm still, I'd still be of the view that I'd like to be able to get more in, but I, I appreciate that for both. It's a great time, but... Um, Just to recap on, actually, the results, anyway. Yeah, it's been, um, talk some shells then, Luke. Bowes nil, Watford nil on Friday night, Derry City 2, Cork City nil, uh, Pats 2, UCD nil, UCD wobbling a bit of late, lost again last night, Sligo 1, Finn Harps 1, Dundalk 2, Shamrock Rovers 1, uh, last night then Cork City 1, Finn Harps 1, uh, Derry City nil, Bohemians 2, UCD nil, Sligo 2, Watford nil, Dundalk 3, Shamrock Rovers 1, Pats nil, and Finn Harps in fairness, they've, they're 6 points behind UCD, um, which gives them something to kind of cling to anyway, and because I think one thing in in the in the Premier Division, Dan, you don't want like Harps to be completely detached and having them um, just like no chance, you know, where the Harps are just whipping boys. Yeah, we go. I still think it's. 
I mean, you never know with Ali. They, they just might pull something out. And UCD have—I thought they'd kick on, but they actually—they haven't kicked on so much. Yeah, I, I just—I just don't know. I mean, I, I mean, their last two results were against teams that are above them. You know, are just above them. You know, it is the the UCD games are are vital um, for them. But like UCD, actually, they just seem to have. They've they've gone through a phase of playing well and not getting results, and now they're almost in the phase where maybe they've made a few more mistakes in games and they're just mm. not getting results either. So, but I I still think UCD will get more points than Harps across the season. Cork City should... uh, situation as well. Just you weren't here when we discussed it. It's been an amazing season for them so far. It's unbelievable just to see twenty one points off the top after just over one round of games. It's unbelievable the, the fall away. Um, like I still think that they've got a good squad. Like they've still got players there have won leagues and have done well at other clubs. But for whatever reason, they just don't seem to be able to get a run together at the moment. Mm. Um, we should we should talk as well. Pat Huben as well at the weekend. He got the all time Dundalk league goal scoring record, seventy goals. Um, he's joined top of the Premier Division charts with Denny Corcoran this year with seven. But I mean that's that's a, still a hell of an achievement in the space of like three and a half seasons. Um, the strength uh, of him against um, Lopez for that goal just yeah. kind of barred him. We don't like, we're not we're like we we need to move on. We can't really go back to the Dark Rovers game, but that was a massive game in isolation, you oh, know. Yeah. And it, but you you move on from it so quickly, but. The one thing about the title race is that these Rovers and Dock games are certainly all going to be substantial. And the derbies, you know, we've got the Dock Bowls coming up twice in the derby, so we've got proper big games to look forward to. And they're all, like, every team is in control of their destiny at this point because they have to play their rivals a sufficient number of times, you know. So um, it, it bodes well. But, Luke, we should talk about the first division um, because it's still fairly congested at the top. We'll do last week's results. We had Bray won, Cabantili won. Cabantili still... The fire and the odds. Shells, three, Galway, nil. We must talk about the kit situation as well there too. <laughs> Wexford, two, Athlone, nil. Athlone are tanking again. And then Saturday, Cove, one, Drada, four. And uh, Longford Town, one, Limerick, nil. So, first of all, the officials were wearing red last Friday in Talca. I mean, it feels like, you know, turning up to a dress wearing a, a white dress if you're, you know, a female guest. It seems a bit inappropriate. Turn up to a wedding, <laughs> is it? Yeah, a wedding, yeah. You said turn up to a dress. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that must be. You. I'm just so busy, John. I just I can't. I can't keep talking right, words. Dan. Let you away with this. Um, but <laughs> that was that in itself. Although I, I it gathered was the greatest that, league in the world. So far I, I, I gathered that the altar brought a yellow kit. The officials in Galway is Galway's away kit is yellow, right? But uh, still slightly unusual. That's bizarre. You think that the first thing the officials do when they get their fixtures is check, you know, what the home team wear and what the away team wear, but. Luckily, we had the white kit, so it was just, I think it was more funny for people on social media than anything. I actually didn't even, I didn't even notice that the officials were in red till after the match. Yeah, yeah. I never even copped those kind of things. Well, more to the point, you got three points on the board. And, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, for people who, you know, Longford 21, Cabin Teeley, long with a game in hand, Cabin Teeley 20, Shells 19, Draw to 17, Bray 16, Limerick 15, and then, like, it's, it's fairly congested. Very, yeah. I think... I think you're going to see teams right in contention up until very late in the season. Like, um, could be up to seven teams, I suppose, fighting for the playoffs. The way just looking at it now, but uh, yeah, it's personally, you know, we were quite inconsistent at the start of the season. Uh, a lot of new players and stuff, and probably getting to know each other and some, you know, individual mistakes, myself included. Uh, rather than you know, like it wasn't like the team wasn't functioning or we were kind of cutting open, e- being cut open easily. I think it was just. Maybe lacking concentration and stuff like that, but we've we've seemed to have put it right the last month or so. I think we played very well against UCD in the cup, unfortunately to get beaten. And since then, it's four clean sheets in the league, three wins, and um, 
because it's so tight, the nature of I think any team that can go on a consistent run is going to, uh, you know, get closer to the top or please God, in our case, get to the top and stay there. How have you found the first division experience? Because it's not a level that I don't think... Had you played in the first division at all before? No. So what's, how, how different is it? Just in terms of everything, the match day, the attention or lack of attention, or how have you found that aspect of things? Yeah, I mean, starting with shells, like our tra- we trained the same amount of days I ever would have at Rovers. Obviously, it was just mornings at Rovers, even to shells. Um, I have to say, like the pre-match preparation and stuff, the attention to detail, you know, the video sessions, stuff like you know the nutrition after games and stuff like that. That's on a par with anywhere I've been. Morrow wasn't gonna let the side down anyway. No, he's obviously you know had a good career as a professional and he's taken that into management. And um, there's a lot of lads in the team who've played full-time football, and I think you have to have standards yourself, and mm. you know you can uh, you bring that to the group. But obviously the games, you know. Some stadiums obviously aren't great. The crowds obviously sometimes aren't great either. But it is what it is. It's very competitive league, and there's, there's, you know, I really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed just playing uh, consistently. And obviously, shells are still a big club. You know, yeah. been in the first division for too long, but they are still a big club. So yeah, I mean, shells obviously still reasonably well supported. At, you know, at that level. But if the crowd is a bit smaller, like I'm guessing, like if it's a Premier Division, you're going away to Cork or Derry. Like the, the crowd can be a motivator. The away crowd silence the crowd. Is it a different type of motivation? Like, like does it have to come from within when you're maybe you you are facing a team that pretty much mightn't have any support? So you don't have that hostility that might drive you before. Yeah, sure. Like. Uh Going down to Cove, you could probably hear the conversations that were going on on the side of the pitch, and that was just the nature of it. But what were the conversations? <laughs> I can't say it on air. But uh, there was actually one fella, um, a Jehovah's Witness, who was trying to uh, give me a talk at half time because I wasn't playing that night. In Cove? That was one of the most bizarre things I've You met a Jehovah's Witness? Yeah, he called me off to the side of the pitch at half time and gave me a, a good talking to him. How did you know he was Jehovah's Witness? He told me. Yeah, yeah. He told me. <laughs> straight away. Yeah. They tend to identify themselves, John. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, <laughs> so you did that at a doorstep, not a League of Ireland game. Yeah. Um, no. It's obviously a new market that he's decided to target. I mean, when you think about it, like. Peripheral weirdos, you know, <laughs> go to a League of Ireland game. So, yeah, that was quite unique, but. Uh, <laughs> Just like talking about like motivation stuff, I think, yeah, look, five, six thousand people crowd is obviously going to motivate you, but if if you're relying on external things like that to motivate you, you know, also you want to be playing because if yeah. you're if you're if you're half in and out of a team in the Premier, you're just imagine as a footballer you want to be playing. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I found that last year was my obviously I'd had injuries, but last year was my first time at Rovers where I was. You know, in there with team and more so out. So and your left backs were crap as well. Like you know, yeah, you've just got probably the two best in the country <laughs> there. So, uh, like personally, I would have um, no interest in just training Monday to Friday to not play. Um, so I really enjoy playing every week. Just on that, like the likes of Stephen Fallen at Dundalk and um, a myriad of other players, I can't get my head around how they keep up the professionalism when they know they're not playing. The, uh, you know, Stephen Fallen, for example. He's had not a look in really at Dundalk. Very good player. Yeah, very good player. I know him. Yeah, um, look, it's a credit to himself. He's obviously a very good professional and he's motivated. And I'm, I'm sure he backs himself to get in at some stage and take the chance. But only speaking personally, it's you know you look back on your career when you retire and you want to see a certain amount of games and you just can't beat the buzz of a Friday night coming off the pitch sore, tired, having won a game and you miss that when you're not playing. So. Um, for me, you know, I, I have to be playing. What have you made of the title rival so far? Um, Longford have had an unbelievably good start. Neil Fenn at the game last night conceded two goals, Dan. 
Mm. Which is fairly remarkable for a team that Fens teams are obviously always talk about. All oh, they play. Yeah, nice I wouldn't football. have had that perception of mm. a, of a of a you know Neil Fens side being in, having that kind of. He reputation. was in Tala last night uh, along the likes of Graham Burke and a few other uh, Bazuna and the Seventeens were there. A lot of people you'd recognise in the crowd, but um, yeah, Graham Burke actually was. I think he was hanging around for a while afterwards because he in that chat with Ronan Finn, which did happen by the way, but just we couldn't record it. He actually. Stopped by on the way. He seemed he seemed to really around. enjoy being back among. Uh, just you saw, I saw him a few times. He was always smiling, talking to people, enjoying the the, the experience of being back at Tala. But um, Neil Fenn was obviously there as well, and Longford flying it this season. Yeah, they uh, they beat us two 0 Obviously, um, like we got beaten by Kevin Teeley and it's, it was just a game littered with, with errors by us. You know, I don't think we should have lost that game, but we did. And there's been competitive games. Like I'm looking there, draw to be June nil all. Bray was a tough one 0 win. We lost the Cove, so you know everyone can take points off each other. And the the structure of the table, in fairness, Dan, you'd have to say the playoff system has made it really exciting because literally any team could say we could still finish fourth. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, like it will, it will go to the end. You know, there's no doubt that the last week of that of that of the first division season, there'll be something to be decided. You know, and that's all you want really in terms of like building the profile and the interest around it. I mean, I suppose. The, do you find Luke like the expectation would have been the shells were gonna were gonna storm it this year with the with the players that you've that you that you, you signed? Do you, do you do you sense that attention from other teams that you are a team that people are sort of keen to keen to take down? Yeah, definitely. I think we probably you know like you say had that mantle before the season and players probably disagree with it and they you know if it serves as an extra motivating factor for them when they come to play it they you know they want to take a scalp but. Uh, I think maybe a couple of those losses early in the season were just a smack of reality for us that the league isn't going to go as maybe people predicted and we need to be at it every week or we'll get what we deserve and mm. that's a you know, losing game. I suppose in some ways the open nature of the division is probably a good thing. It's not as if when you had your, your slip that one team shot ahead you know, and, yeah. and sort of like as, as picked up as, as much as Longford are still unbeaten to be fair. It's not as if you're, you're, you're chasing a massive no. gap. No, like we lost a couple of games in a row and we we still you know we've gone on a, a run of a draw and a couple of wins and we're back to within a point of of the top. Well, obviously long for one on Saturday, but when we came in on Friday night, we were a point off the top. So that shows like I think a lot of teams really bar Longford in fairness have been quite inconsistent, but we've gone on a good run recently. And I think if we can keep that up from now to the end of the season, we'll be happy. I want to I want to call you on something myself and Dan have t- kind of disagreed on before is like first division highlights where Dan is kind of um, he's definitely a little bit kind of concerned about the. The stadia and just how it looks, the optics, yeah. the optics of it, um, <clears throat> and again, it's been said a million times: goals that are scored in Turner's Cross or you know proper stadia, they look way better. Um, but I think there, there's a lot of um, kind of stuff online now in terms of social media where clubs are putting out their goals. In, the, in I mean, Wexford's goal at the weekend, they scored a smashing goal. What's your take on that? Should should there be more coverage, or would you, if the, even if the goals are on Soccer Republic, is that a good or a bad thing? Um, I understand what Dan's saying about the product, you know, sometimes it doesn't reflect well looking at the half-empty scrubby stadium in the background, but, and obviously you can't pick and choose what stadiums you show highlights mm-hmm. from, but uh, I think obviously the clubs have been throwing out the goals after games and that serves, you know, that, that serves them well, it gives them good attention and stuff online, but I don't know, I haven't really thought about Soccer Republic, I suppose, um, I suppose the, like, 
people complain about the league in terms of getting no media attention and stuff, but if it's not going to be on TV, nothing's ever going to change, I don't mm. think. Yeah. I think the first reason to be no decided out of mind, but not yeah. as much like, I think I just think if you show one, you have to show them all. Mm. You can't just go to Tolka or, or go to wherever there might be a better camera view. So if you're going to be at ground level at Wexford or whatever it might be. So like we, we spoke about this, I think if you're going to do it, there needs to be an investment of some kind to ensure that it's packaged and presented, it's at the best vantage point or whatever. But that's easy to say. People who listen to this who have a knowledge of TV production and stuff, and you know, they know that it's not always that straightforward. You know, But I, I'm not objecting to the idea of goals being shown, but I just want to showcase the best of... I think you have to showcase the best of the league. And uh, I just think some of the first division grounds at times... I'm not sure how great that would look, uh, you know. Absolutely. But but I think if you show, you can't just pick and choose. I do. I think if you if you commit to it, then you have to do it properly. But I think to, I think clubs are have driven to, to improve. It. Then, but clubs have the chance to do it now, and and like clubs are in some degree are in control of. I know Shell's doing highlights packages after games and stuff, and uh, the, you know, watch watch one of their games. Recently, <laughs> yeah, you, you've been speaking about one of them at length, <laughs> but you know, the the. the, the the, the scope is there. A lot now, of obviously, on I think Galway have done it as well and stuff. You know, like the stadium, like even at Lone, like if if at Lone did it properly, that like Terryland looks great, obviously. Yeah, um, and Longford as well. Yeah. So, like it can be done. Um, but my I, my I, idea I is we need to promote the product because I think like it's hard for us to talk about the first division when, when it's when, like, when we're not seeing games. Not I think it, games. and it comes across like yeah. you know that you're, if you're not watching games week and week, you don't know the players and the personalities. It is hard. Uh, it is hard to really. I sometimes think when we speak in first division terms, we're, we're, we're talking very broad generalities about the playoff race being wide open all the time, you know. But if you're not seeing the games and the teams and their their styles of play and so on, you know, you're not able to really. On on that, Lukey, actually, who's who's up and coming in the division that maybe people wouldn't have talked about much. Um, and that's a very broad gen- 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 generalism. Of Tell us about the first of it. Yeah, What's it like? Yeah, I'm off for uh, you know I'm off for a cup of tea, but uh, no, like obviously Jay's Kabia has. Um, I heard Conan Byrne on about him. I remember watching his yeah. dad. First time I met Dan actually was when Jay's Kabia scored one of the worst goals I've ever seen for Galway United in Drogheda, and I'm um, still not sure he actually got a touch. But it is mad seeing his son then come along. I remember seeing him. I remember seeing him online for the first time or a photo of him I was like God that has to like he's literally the spit of him as well yeah. and he's he's apparently a promising player yeah I uh, I didn't play that night but he he looked a very good player he's I'd never heard of him that was before, the night of Jehovah's Witness was it it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were so, otherwise engaged I, I feel like we want to know more about that story but like, did he recognise like, you as a player or was he just like he was I was going to get the ball on the side of the pitch Just we were just playing around at half time and he, he made his way down and called me over and just what was his opening gambit? Uh, he told me his name, which I probably shouldn't repeat. And no. Then no, no. Told me why he was at the game and then just went on to tell me he was Jehovah's Witness and I just took the ball and said, I'll chat to you after the match. I can see in a year's time, it's like, burn, how I found God. <laughs> it's like you made this, this transition. Like Sean Connor joins the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> Sean Connor linked with Limerick as well know, over the weekend. Yeah, it's it's, it's been a while since our last Sean Connor reference. Unbelievable. Hopefully um, it'll be a while to our next one. <laughs> but um, yeah, obviously Cabia... Um, I hadn't seen much of Rob Manley as well banging in the goals of Cabin Teeley. What have you made of the pitch there, actually? Uh, I've all, well, we're playing there this week. Yeah. I played there with Rovers a few years ago and it was like, it was shocking, to be honest. It was so hard. The ball was bouncing up like a rugby ball and stuff. And um, What are the pitches like in general for us? Uh, they've been good, to be honest. I mean, Atlone have a good ass show. Pitch in Galway was brilliant. Our pitch has been good. Longford is always good. So now the draw that was 
quite good. Yeah, no, the pitches have been good. Give the, especially the clubs at that level. It's not easy to, you know, I look at racetracks who don't really get it right and have a lot of money going in. Um, you look at Tala last night, the difference that pitch makes. Yeah, you just yeah. want to play in it. Yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's very hard for, for technical players to, to show what they're good at and, you know, to entice people to games and create a good product if the pitch isn't there. So, What are you up to off the pitch? Uh, finishing my degree in DBS. So I was a part-time student at Rovers and now I've gone uh, full-time. Uh, since I've signed for Shells, finished my B license with the co- uh, coaching badge there a couple of months ago. So um, just keep myself busy, really. Will you go out to watch some of the under seventeen games uh, across the next couple of weeks? I think a lot of people yeah. listening to this will, you know, there be there be football going. Yeah, uh, definitely. People, so there's a lot of opportunities to go to games at, at various times. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm lucky I don't have a lot of college hours, so I'll get out. And uh, a couple of lads I would have worked at are over, like Luke Turner and uh, Gavin are in the squad. So it'd be great to see yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and James and James Furlong who played yeah. last week is in the squad too. So um, what what's he like actually? It was a, it was a fair old. Uh, He's come from Joey's. Was he there fire, much yeah. when you were there? Or no, we would have played against his team, and then he came in last summer. But he was above our age group. Um, mm. He's always someone I would have been aware of. You know, he's been regular international for years. Uh, he was brilliant the other night. I thought watched the game, and it's just another good left back. Rovers have made the, the amount of left backs yeah, in the league is absolutely insane. I mean, brilliant yeah. that they showed faith in him the other night. I thought mm. he was. Uh, would have been easy to shoehorn someone else in, but you, you look very good. Yeah, your PFAI involvement as well. What tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose it's all blown up in the last while, hasn't it? Uh, before that, it was just that was the FAI, was it not? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's uh, it was a Hamlet statement put out. John. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, remember this. Yeah. yeah, that was great. The Hamlet. He was, you were co-signed in that statement. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Who, who was? I don't think it was Gary, Gary Rogers. Um, divorced himself from reference to the Hamlet. Was it you or? No, it definitely wasn't me. No, no. Um, I was happy to sign my name on it, but yeah. no, I can't claim credit for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we've got a meeting tomorrow and. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know exactly what's going on, but Stephen and Ollie are, um, you know, they keep us involved and everything. And you know, there's it's uh, it's an interesting time, I suppose. Yeah, and um, I suppose long term, have you, you you were doing a bit of coaching with Rovers? Is that something that does inspire you long term? Yeah, definitely. It's something I got into when I was out of football for a year, and uh, I've gone through the badges quite quick. Just finished my B license and. How hard is it to get your badge? Like, um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, a lot of like assignments and stuff, and long days going to you know some of them twelve hour days. Uh, but like, I'm, obviously, I'm in college, and I'd rather do twelve hours of talking about scout reports and formations than an hour of maths. So, yeah, what are you actually doing mind. in the DBS? Uh, business management. Okay, yeah. So uh, I'm just doing the bare minimum to get by at the moment, but I know it's important that you have something else going on off the pitch. So. Those two things are kind of good ways for me to keep busy. Just doing the bare minimum to get by. You're, you're, you're not going to pretend. You're, you're, you're doing everything right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can talk. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure Ian Morris will be delighted that, you know, you're I'm just doing the bare minimum to get by. No, no, in college, in college. Um, but, uh, yeah, there we are. Um, the games this week, John Anton, jump off the page. Oh, it's a cracking round of games, isn't it? Uh, and I will say the under seventeen games, obviously on Friday as well. So that's probably going to try parrot scare for. Uh, try, it's more of a try parrots is properly injured, mm. so um, he's probably not going to be involved. And we'll see. And I mean, another thing that is coming around the corner, obviously, is the Toulon tournament on twenty one level, and the lads at nineteens level that are going to be involved in the summer. Um, it's a good problem to have as we said before but I think we'll probably be talking about that a bit in, in the coming weeks because there's probably every chance that games are going to be rescheduled you've talked um, about like the 10 team league and you know the, the games coming up thick and fast you kind of look at this round of games and you're like this is why a 10 team league 
is working well. It's just really like all these games matter so much, and you've yeah. seen a lot of evening like Finn Harpskin's UCD. Well, we got Bows, yeah, well, we got Bows and Cork on Friday. We got Dundalk, Derry City, which is an interesting game. And I said Derry probably need to improve the record against the teams above them. Uh, Pat's Waterford. I have a feeling there might be a bit of spice around that game due to recent European developments. Um, I did speak to a, a, a Waterford fan the other day who was suggesting that the, the away section could be lively at that game. So, uh, yeah, Pat's Waterford wants to look out for it. Finn Harps UCD, um, which, as, you said, as we said earlier, is a pretty big match. And then on Saturday, Sligar Rovers, Shamrock Rovers, or Rovers against Shams depending on, on, on where you're from. should be noted then, that Sligo are up to 16 points from 14 games as well. Uh, 12 points clear at the bottom. Yeah, um, even though they did drop points home to Harps last week, which wouldn't have been great. Mm. But then, uh, first division, as you say, Athlone and Cove on Friday, Cabin TD and, and Shelburne and Benson Castle. Drada, <laughs> Longford, Galway United, Wexford and Limerick against Bray. So, yeah, there have been a few options in Dublin on Friday for people who are... Um, knocking around because I think the 17s games will probably take a certain amount of the floating punters as well too but um, yeah, you laughed about the, the, the bounce castle there but um, all joking aside though there are a few actually bounce castles are a bit more pleasurable to land it's on like, as well like, do you know what I mean it doesn't mean it's, really it's, it's like it's just it's like concrete it's actually in the summer when you hear when you watch a game there it's like lads running on concrete or running yeah. on t- like the, the clubs I know Cabin Teeley's situation is a little bit exceptional but it's not really good enough for the product and it's not really good enough for the players I I, I don't know from your perspective uh, you must be a little bit wary going out onto a pitch that's like a glorified concrete uh, I wouldn't necessarily be wary but it's just uh, some sometimes it can impact you know the style of football you play mm. you know we want to pass the ball and we will this Friday but sometimes the situation dictates what you can do in a game and obviously a rock hard pitch is one of them mm. Um, yeah, that's about that's about all we have. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like Bowes Cork on Friday, be interesting. We don't know what where things are going to be at with Cork then. Um, yeah, it'll be another another interesting round of fixtures. I would say. I mean, that sounds like a dreadful cliche to be honest. <laughs> Who's going I mean, to we win? never actually say that's going to be a dull round of fixtures this Friday. Always like interesting is always yeah. a word that's used all the time, John. Who's but, going to win the league, Luke? Shells. <laughs> oh, that's quality what a diplomat uh, thanks for coming in yeah cheers and, for having uh, me that was episode 13 of season episode 12 rather of season 3 and episode 13 next week but there are limits to your life